3: And welcome to an undefeated Monday here on Verge 365, (laughs) the one and only undefeated team in the National Football League of the Hometown Philadelphia Eagles. And we're here to break down what went down yesterday at a soaking, soggy Lincoln financial field. John McMullen looks sufficiently dried out. Are you all dried out, J-Mac?
5: Uh, just barely. Boy, man. Woof. You know, that, that came up and hit, you know, earlier in the week, they were saying, ah, it'll be bad on Saturday. It'll be in and out on Sunday, you know, some lulls. No, that was awful. Um, and the Eagles uh, handled it much better than Jacksonville. So you have to give them credit. Um, yeah, went back to the running game. You know, one thing I say about Nick Sirianni, and the biggest thing, I say it all the time on this show. The biggest thing I like about him as a coach, is going to do whatever it takes to win on that particular game day. A lot of people say that a lot of people don't subscribe to it. He legitimately says, I'm going to do what it takes to win on this particular game day. And I was talking on the pregame show with Seth Joyner here on the Jacob sports, uh, YouTube channel, six ABC.com as well. Um, and he was saying he doesn't know if, if Miles Sanders will touch it more than 15, 16, 17 times. I said, if they need him to win the game, they'll use him. Uh, on, a, on a Now, normally Seth is correct. They want to keep him at that level to try to get him through 17 games. Right. But, you know, they didn't show a monsoon showing up. They needed him for a career-high 27 carries. Bang. That's what happens.
3: Flat out pounded him. I gave him one of my game balls on my CBS Sports Radio show. We give out three every single week. He's one of the top players in the National Football League yesterday. And, yes, you are dead on right that Nick Sirianni on any given day not only says it but puts it into practice. He's going to do what he has to do to win. That's from his side, and certainly he did a great job yesterday. But the players came up big as well. Um, They checked the box yesterday, John. Uh, when you get off to a 3-0 and start, they, we, we here on Birds 365 have been known to nitpick a little bit. How do you find fault after a 3-0 and start? Well, we do. Uh, there wasn't all that much to nitpick yesterday. And even with the fact that Jalen Hurts threw a tipped pick six yesterday, A.J. Brown might have made a half-hearted effort at a tackle. They fell behind 14-0 uh, before the first quarter was out. They had not come back in a game all year. They had not shown yet that if they fell behind, they could deal with the adversity that was. That was certainly not Nick Sirianni's game plan. But when it presents itself, you prove that you can handle it. And that's exactly what the Eagles did yesterday. Uh, They persevered. They did not lose their focus. They went 29 unanswered points, which is always a very good thing. They just keep checking boxes, Johnny Mac.
5: Yeah, they do. It, it it was an impressive performance and you're right. I mean, it was going to be ugly, but it, you know, I asked Nick about that uh, post game, you know, you never want to be behind. That's never the plan. Sure. You know, you never want to face adversity, but you know, you're going to face adversity sometime during the NFL season and you want to see how your team responds. And they responded. I mean, they, you know, I, I had this argument with, with Ed Kratz and, and Martin and, and Martin Frank and Groats. Bob Groats is going to be on the show tomorrow morning. You know, to me, the biggest play of the game, they're down 14 nothing, 14-0. 14-0. Uh, Jacksonville has a fourth and three from the Eagles, 34. And Doug's trying to put his foot on their throat and say, let's end this game right now. Let's convert. Let's go and score. And at 21, nothing, then you're really behind the eight ball unless you're Patrick Mahomes playing the Houston Texans. But um, you know, it, it, and it was an unforced error. So I'm not even trying to say the you know, Trevor Lawrence handled the weather really, right. really. I was really disappointed in him and the way he handled. And that was an unforced error. But that that to me really shifted the momentum in the game. The Eagles went down and scored. They eventually tied it and running the football. But no matter by hook or by crook how it started, they showed, you know, they're down two touchdowns against a pretty good team. Um, Now, again, I think they handled – they didn't handle the weather well. Well, the quarterback didn't, let's be honest. Didn't handle the weather well. Um, Then they got them a little bit rattled. But, yeah, anytime you're down two touchdowns in this league – and that's what we said about the Eagles – all right, they can play from the lead. They have a great offensive line. They can pound the football. They had another great four-minute offense. They weren't able to 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 finish it off this time. But nonetheless, Hassan Reddick made sort of the walk-off, strip sack. Um, that's always impressive when you can come back from two touchdowns, especially in that weather. Uh, and they didn't panic. And I asked Jalen Hurts, did you have to say something to the guys? And he said, No, that was the beauty of it. There was no come-to-Jesus moment. Everybody knew what they had to do, and they didn't panic. Another thing that I thought was impressive
3: for the Eagles yesterday, and again, it falls under the same exact category of nowhere in the game plan you write down fall behind 14 nothing. You also do not write down in the game plan – Lose your star left tackle and your uh, CB1, uh, who's at a uh, two interception game already this year in Maialata and Slay, both going down. Before you could blink in the game, they were both not only off the field, but back in the uh, locker room being attended to. Next man up. That's, uh, it's uh, Doug Peterson, uh, you go back for it as far as you want with Eagles coaches, uh, the fact that Dougie P was in the house makes you think hey, him, but, and the 2017 Super Bowl, that's the mantra of every single team across the National Football League has been forever. You have to have guys who come off your bench, who can hold down the four to keep the drop off to a minimal. They did that yesterday in both of those spots, J-Mac, Our buddy Zach Mack, not terrible, got off to a little bit of a slow start. Don't think he was ready to jump right in and and, uh, be as big a contributor as he was. But over the course of the game, he got better. Um, And uh, Driscoll at left tackle, same thing. First couple plays, not quite ready. But after that, he was damn good. That's a really good sign. When you lose not only starters. But significant starters, you're talking about lot and Slay. You're not talking about uh, your 18th or 19th out of your top 22 starters on offensive defense. You're talking about key guys, and the drop-off was not bad at all yesterday. Just another box check that, hey, deal with adversity. Adversity comes at you in several different waves. Yesterday, for the first time really this year in the regular season, it was injury-related. You didn't see that bad a drop-off, Johnny.
5: No, you didn't, um, and I, I do, I do think the weather kind of helped the Eagles there from the standpoint of, and I'll throw Avante Maddox, who didn't play in the game, in there as well, and Josiah Scott coming in for him. You know, maybe if it were a nice and Jody, you got a little uh, blood dripping from him. Okay. Um, just wanted to let you know, but uh, uh, Josiah Scott coming in for Avante Maddox. I was a little bit surprised. Well, I'm not surprised. I thought there was a, there were some different ways they could go in the fact that, uh, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, we talked about in the slot, uh, potentially they could start Kayvon Wallace. They just decided to go what you said, next man up. And they were able to, you know, persevere. Now, I, I wonder if it were a nice day and, and – you know, they might've been able to take advantage of Scott out there. They might've been able to take advantage of Zach McPherson coming in so early in the game. Um, But Hey, it was what it was. And I think those guys really stepped up and Jack Driscoll, especially, because I was concerned about that one guy never played left tackle. I mean, he's always been a right-handed player, right guard, right tackle. And, and remember, it's not only Jordan Milana, Andre Dillard's out. So Andre would have been in that position, so you're essentially down to your third left tackle against a pretty good defense pr- with some pretty good pass rushers. And he really held his own. Um, and again, the weather helped a little bit, but so what? I mean, they're playing, everybody's playing in the same weather. And Asan Reddick brought this up. Nobody was talking about the weather when we were down 14-0. Everybody's playing in the same weather. The Eagles handled it better. But I do think when it came to the next man up, guys, the Driscoll's, the Scots, the Zach Max, I do think the weather helped a little bit to try to make it a little bit easier. And you hope, look, I mean, we got to watch. slicing seemed fine. I, that was weird. You know, he, had a, he, he only played, I think, three snaps. So it was the first series that he was out. But he was, you know, on the field. Post game, he was this happy, gre- gregarious self in the locker room. So he's going to be fine. Um, Jordan was trying to get back in the game as late as as the third quarter. So I don't think it's terribly serious. Now maybe we'll have to watch during the week. Maybe it could be a week or two or something of that nature, depending how how difficult that injury is. Isaac Samalo left late. Um, And when we talked to Nick Sirianni, he had not talked to the trainers yet. So we'll get more information on that. So he had to leave as well. And Sue Opetta came in. And, boy, this game changed. They were down 14-7, to Jody. And they had that nine-play drive, eight runs of the nine. The other was a screen pass that Dallas got her. And it was Kelsey and Sam Olive just blowing people off the ball. I mean, just blowing people off the ball. These holes are, you know, we talked about Miles Sanders. Miles had a great game, but, boy, it's easy to run behind this offensive line when they're clicking.
3: Exactly, and, where, exactly where I was going next, Johnny, because uh, I want to give Driscoll credit. Filling in, not knowing he's going to play, playing on the opposite side of the line where he usually plays, all those things you attributed to him, which are dead on right. They owned the offensive line all day. didn't matter who was in there. As you mentioned, Sewell Peta came in, did the job late. Um, but Kelsey and Lane and everyone else, they dominated. I I don't want to take away from the great games that Miles had. And uh, as you mentioned, most carries ever in a game for the Eagles. Um, He was a workhorse, but there were some holes and – uh, one of the knocks he Miles, is every once in a while he likes to dance. He gets to a, a block and he makes the decision as to which way he's going to go. Sometimes he guesses right. Sometimes he guesses wrong. But if you have to dance, that usually means indecisiveness. He danced a couple of times yesterday, made the right decision, whether you're going inside or outside. When he had to make the decision, he made the right decision. But making the right decision all has to be there. And, man, they opened up some holes for him yesterday.
5: Yeah, they did. I mean, you know. Nick said, and he always says, you run for 200 yards, the the entire offensive line's getting game balls, and they were over 200 yards. Again, 210 against a team who was giving up 55 yards per game coming in. So small sample size, but number one in the NFL. That was the interesting thing. Jacksonville was number one in the NFL in turnover ratio, plus seven. Quarterback turned it over five times. They were first in run defense, 55 yards per game. Eagles ran for 210. That, you know, there were some market corrections going on, so to speak, in that Lincoln financial field. And the Eagles can run the football against anyone. And this is coming off from the rare week rare week when they, they struggled a little bit at Washington. Um when they put their mind to it, they can run the football against anybody. And part of it is, I don't want to go too far with this, but I had this uh, uh, told to me a couple, it was really last year, 2021, you know, back in the, back in, in, in the day in college football, people used to hate playing Navy. Well, they still do uh, Georgia tech. Some of those teams that use the, the triple option and, and, And and the reason why is because you can't justify practicing for it because nobody else runs it. So you you do it for one week. You look like a moron trying to defend it. Your head's on a swivel. Now, usually the really good teams eventually out-talent, and if Navy ever gets behind, the game's over because they can't throw the football. But it drives them crazy. In the modern NFL, obviously it's not to that degree. But so few teams try to run the football consistently. It's all pass, pass, pass. Sometimes some can run it well. You have your Jonathan Taylor years, your Derrick Henry years, but nobody practices for it. We talk about it all the time, Jody. And then it shows up. Oh, go stop it. And you just get bowled over by the teams who can run the football.
3: And that was, you're making your uh, Georgia Tech Navy references.
5: That's when teams actually practice
3: and hit and tackle yeah. to the ground. That doesn't happen in the NFL yeah. anymore these days. Certainly not here in Philadelphia, but I'm sure not in Jacksonville either. So you're right. Teams aren't ready to stop the run when the Eagles come at them with their power run game, which is exactly what they did yesterday. So we're giving a lot of credit to the offense as well. We should. How about that defense? Fall behind 14-0. One of the to touchdowns not on their uh, resume. That uh, came on a pick six. But Hassan Reddick came up big, big offseason signing, was going to be the guy to add that speed pass rusher on the outside, gave him the big bucks to come here. All right, he was part of the seven-sack game previously, but that was everybody on the defensive line jailbreaking at uh, Carson Wentz. Oh, no, yesterday was his day. Two sacks, two forced fumbles, two recoveries. they just came up huge for them. We've been waiting kind of for the Hassan Reddick breakout day. They got it yesterday. They're going to be certain offensive linemen that just can't keep up with the speed. And that was the case yesterday against the Jaguars.
5: Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it Philadelphia yeah. and, and, you know, after the first two games, Nick Sirianni was already getting the questions, you know, Hassan Reddick's got no sacks. Why can't Hassan Reddick get a sack? You know, everybody wants sacks and, and Nick, everything's coming up. Nick Sirianni said they're coming. He's close.
3: <laughs> and bang, he gets,
5: one, he gets one and a half in Washington and he gets two. Um, and you mentioned two strip sacks, two fumble recoveries. um Bon Hargrave got uh one of the strip sacks. So he didn't get both strip sacks. He had two strip and two fumbles. So he had another fumble. Re- it was on the Trevor Lawrence snap, uh, botch snap. Right. Um, yeah, if he had himself a game, I keep saying, you know, one of these weeks the Eagles aren't going to have a player of the week. Probably not this week because um, I haven't looked around the league, but Hassan Raddick might might be the player of the week defensively. Um, and Brandon Graham predicted that. Everything's coming up Eagles. So, uh, yeah, he, he he played a great game. He really rattled Trevor Lawrence, which we talked about five turnovers uh, for the quarterback. Um and, and it essentially had a walk-off because you remember the Eagles, that was weird. That was probably the weirdest Nick Sirianni decision uh, not to kick the gimme field, field goal to put it out of reach. Now the weather, Jake Elliott got banged up a little, maybe, maybe he wouldn't talk about it. It was weird. Um, I just thought it was a bad decision. Same here. Um, and it was 29, 21. And you're saying, Oh, here we go. You know, it, it, it's going to be really difficult for Jacksonville, but they had a chance. Uh, oh, no. Ten seconds later, strip sack game over uh, because of Hassan Reddick.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Defense kind of bailed out their coach on that one because I was with you. I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to kick the field goal here. You got to give yourself a two score lead. Yeah. It didn't come back to bite him in the butt. Nothing has in the first four weeks of this season as the Eagles are the only undefeated team. In the National Football League, you got Johnny Mac and Jody Mac your Mack and, Mac and Mac guys. We will add to the mix. Jeff Mosher will jump aboard next. Does a great job whenever he comes on with us. With us here on Street Three Sixty Five, he's up next. Stick around.
1: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Jeff D'Ambrosio Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown.
0: Gojeffauto.com.
3: Score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an audible this season and contact the DelVal Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you
6: up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of DelVal Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at DVIGI.com.
0: DVIGI.com.
4: Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award winning teams across the country. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
3: day, get-together on 365 as the Philadelphia Eagles stay undefeated after taking care of the Jacksonville Jaguars in the rain, the slop, the mess that was Lincoln Financial Field. Doesn't matter because the birds are 4-0 and the only undefeated team in the NFL. Here to help us break down how the Eagles have been able to become the best team in the National Football League. I'm saying that because I believe it and because the standing say it doesn't mean they're going to stay there, but that's what they're going to try and do. Here to give us the breakdown on how we've gotten to where we're at is Jeff Mosher from inside the, Birds.com, the Inside the Birds podcast. You knew the Eagles were going to be the best team in the NFL four games in, right, Moshe? Of course. Of course.
6: Absolutely.
5: <laughs> <Predictable>. <laughs> yeah, we all predicted it, didn't we? Actually, no. Jody did. He bet on uh, Eagles-Dolphins Super Bowl, so he's still... Oh, wow. He's in the mix. I'm impressed by that. Yeah, well, I didn't we see this. We had to
6: but... jinx it early, Jody. Nice job.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, this has looked like the best team in the NFL, uh, Jeff Mosher. Um, what what impressed you most about that? that is a difficult environment to play in. Adversity. Get down 14 nothing. 200 rushing yards against the best rushing defense. Five turnovers against the team with the best turnover ratio, what impressed you the most about that effort? Yeah, you said it in there, Johnny,
6: which was the 200 200 rushing yards against the best rushing defense, which is sort of a a copycat to their victory last year over the New Orleans Saints, which was kind of considered one of their few signature victories of last year. Saints came in with the top-ranked rushing defense, and the Eagles carved it apart. And those numbers are actually, for once – in maybe a year or since Jalen Hurts became the, the starter, those numbers are not inflated by Jalen Hurts' rushing. Yeah. He, he only yeah. had 38 yards on 19 Fair. carries. So if you take Jalen Hurts out of the mix, the running backs themselves actually had an even better day as far as a yards per carry average. And this was not um, a Jacksonville team that you could do that to. So when you, when you sort of zo- take a zoom out look, Uh, what really stands out about the Eagles to me is that, you know, they're not a perfect team. There is no perfect team. They have flaws, but in a pinch when things aren't going well, whether it's they're unstable offensively in the passing game, or there's so much rain that it's making it difficult to play. They've got this fallback where they can just run the ball. And it's very, very difficult for even the best run teams to just stop them when they decide they're going to run the ball and run right at you. And
3: uh, you mentioned a running game about uh, average yards per carry. How about Trey Sermon coming in? I know it's yeah. only two carries, but haven't seen the guy yet. Comes in, breaks off two good runs, keeps the chains moving. Uh, that tells you how good the Eagle offensive line yesterday was because I think John McMullen could have gotten four yeah. yards. I don't know about yesterday.
5: that, but uh, I probably could get, uh, I probably wouldn't lose yardage. I could fall <laughs> forward.
6: <laughs> no, I mean, how about Trey? But really, how about Miles Sanders? I mean, how about the year that Miles Sanders is having? I think he's debunking a lot of the myths about him that he's not a tough runner. He's always been a tough runner. I think he's always been a good inside runner. Um, the, the myth is that he's a, a whole dancer. He's a guy who's so jittery. No, he's a guy who's had trouble following his blocks correctly and finding the right lanes, but he's never been like a scat back type. He's just his thing has been durability and so far this year you saw yesterday um career high in both carries and yards and of course he's he's playing behind a great offensive line but what make what separates him from any other running back that the eagles have is that even if you spot him the three or four yards because of the line as you saw in the 35 yard run he has a second gear that nobody else on the eagles has you know trey sermon is not no. that kind of runner kenny gamewell does not have that explosion or at least if he does we have not seen it
5: yet now uh,
6: Kenny Gainwell is the most fascinating third down back I've ever seen. He actually doesn't catch the ball well, but runs really well between the tackles, which is the antithesis of a third down back. But yeah. that's a story for another time. Miles Sanders, you know, if it's his last year, he's doing his best to get his contract and the Eagles are doing their best to get as much mileage out yeah. of him as
5: possible. It's going to be a difficult decision because miles does have that chip on his shoulder. He is playing very well. I think, you know, one, and by the way, all of a sudden, Now that Miles is playing with some confidence and, you know, he's kind of feeling it starting to catch the football as well. Um, And that has been an issue. And yeah, way back in the summer motion, you were a training camp a bunch and, you know, there was this narrative that Eagles fans say, Hey, I hope Kenny Cainwell can, I'm, I'm, it's not close. Miles is the best running back on this team. Yeah. And I kept saying it and saying it and saying it, people are, are starting to see it. But, you know, what impressed me most, and I was telling Jody this before you came on, Nick Sirianni. I was on uh, with Seth Joyner on our, our pregame show and and listened to Jeff on Inside the Birds uh, podcast and his pregame show. I was telling Seth, the thing that impresses me most about Nick Sirianni is... He'll do anything to win a particular game. So, you know, Seth was saying they're going to run him 15, 16 times. That's it. And typically, I agree. That's they want to keep him ready for 17 games. That's optimal. But you're not expecting a monsoon on the first Sunday of October. He needed to run the football. He ran the football career high in uh, carries for Miles Sanders along Mm -hmm. with the yards. He does that consistently, Jeff. He does what he needs to do to win a particular football game. I'm very impressed by that. A lot of coaches don't do that. Do you see that as well?
6: Yeah, I think it goes back to an even bigger part of he doesn't have the ego that a lot of head coaches have, especially young head coaches. I think a lot of times head coaches get hired, and they think that they're hired for their play calling expertise, so they want to call plays, right? They want to show people – why they were hired. Or in his case, because he came from the Frank Reich umbrella and Frank calls the plays, they want to show you that they can too, even though they didn't have a shot, right? So he did early on last year. Things weren't going well, and he had no problem taking a step back, handing the the reins over to Shane Steichen and being the more quote-unquote CEO head coach. And I thought that was a, probably the first example we saw of a guy who is not out to – prove to anybody anything other than wanting to win games and doing what it takes like you just said to win the game so you're right I I would not have predicted given the history of Miles Sanders and the lack of trust that they've showed in him in the past as far as being a, uh, a high volume carrier and a fourth quarter carrier that on a day like yesterday with the wind and the rain and the elements being as bad as they are and you know Jacksonville coming in with with a a hot defense that yesterday would be the day that they, that Nick Sirianni was going to trust Miles Sanders, right. Especially in the fourth quarter, but he did because he had no reason at that point not to. So I agree with you. I think he will, he does what it takes to win a game and does not put any extra thought onto how his decisions might look in the media or how he's going to have to rationalize and explain it. Moshe, I'm glad to have you on today because I uh,
3: appreciate your knowledge of the National Football League because there was a play in yesterday's game I just didn't understand. Mm -hmm. The touchdown pass to A.J. Brown, it was taken off the board because Dallas Carter stood where he was standing, and it was somehow pass in an offensive pass interference. I've been watching National Football League a long time too, and I know the rules are ever-changing. Could they not call that on every single play? Aren't there crossing routes in the National Football League where one, the offensive player comes into some kind of contact with a defender? Because that's all Dallas Goddard did was he kind of brushed him. There wasn't right. an attempted pick or any kind of physicality to it. He just kind of stood there, and the defender ran into him, and they called it uh, the offensive pass interference. Can you explain how they make that call in the NFL to me?
6: So there's two things on that, Jody. One, I was watching the Chiefs game last night. They played the Bucks. I thought somebody – I can't remember which receiver got nabbed for the same exact thing where they called him for OPI, and he actually was trying to get out of the way of the uh, – Yeah, it happened
5: uh, most real quick. It happened uh-huh. in the London game as well. Uh, right. In, right, in the early that. game. So yeah, they've been – I year think it's a point Monty's of spirit. emphasis. Yeah.
6: It yeah. is a point of emphasis. The Eagles, uh, Jody, are uh, guilty by reputation – so uh, you saw Week One, they ran a ton of RPOs. Uh, it was a, it's still the backbone of their offense. And then by Week Two, after the Lions did their little cut ups and sent them to the NFL, all of a sudden every time they ran an RPO, they were getting called for a legal man downfield because yeah. the opponent from the week before sent them all the tapes. Hey, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. You got. And once you get on the watch list, it's hard to get off the watch list. So this this was an issue for them early last year too. Um, the offensive. P- pass interferences on un- rub routes and and pick plays. so and it's like holding there there's not there's gonna be times where you didn't hold but you're you're a left tackle whose reputation is being grabby and something didn't go right so they're gonna flag you and that that's why that happens
5: yeah i agree with most hundred percent reputation man the eagles have that reputation and it's going to be very difficult dallas had his hands up like yeah. you got to be savvy about those things and yep. you got to just kind of like <laughs> walk, like, and, and, and the Eagles and Nick has, has, talked about it as well. And I give him credit. He hasn't complained about it. He said, for the most part, officials are calling it correctly. Um, They just got to be a little bit more savvy about it. But Jeff, you hit the nail on the head. It's reputation at this point, they have a reputation that they do this and, mm-hmm. and people are paying more attention to it. Plus, it's a point of emphasis on top of that in the whole league. And and they are calling it in a bunch of places. So, hey, they're 4-0. So, they've been able to get through it. But that's what we do. We nitpick. So, I want to nitpick a little bit more. I keep talking about special teams. It hasn't happened yet. Now, I give the Eagles credit for pulling the trigger on Britton Covey as the kick returner as well. Not that he's doing a great job, but Quez was just—he just—he's not good at it, and he doesn't seem to like to do it. So I th- think that's a positive. Aaron Seipos, man—they—they—they they, they keep losing this field position game. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the kickoffs. Yesterday it was the punts. Eventually, that's going to bite him in the you know what, isn't it? If they keep losing this field position game.
6: Well, I was thinking yesterday or last night after the game, how, how so many people want to draw comparisons, obviously, to the 2017 team, you know, as they talk about this team, whether it's the run game or the quarterback play. But if you want to do that, the one thing that sort of gets lost in the 2017 sauce is how good Donnie Jones was at punting and putting that ball inside the 10. I think he had set a record that year uh, or, or in a two-year span for how many punts he was putting inside the 10. And obviously field position became a huge part of the 2017 team and what they were able to do and you're right it's not special teams in general is not a big part of this of this eagles team and um the third phase is often forgotten until it rears its ugly head in a game that's close so again you know i could see the eagles having a loss somewhere and and it's special teams let them down and and it'll be complained about but um you know they, they, they like Aaron Sippos over the guy that they used to have punting, whose name escapes me. Is it Cam Johnston?
5: Cam was Johnston, yeah.
6: yeah. Yeah. So if you remember Cam Johnson's last year, they had some – Jake Elliott had some issues kicking field goals there. Yeah, year.
5: holding. Um, yeah.
6: And what a lot of people didn't realize was that the, the whole process was not sound. It wasn't just Jake Elliott. They just felt that the, the process from snap to hold to kick wasn't good. And then as soon as Aaron Sippos became the punter starting last year, Jake Elliott's been a much more reliable kicker. So – it's a difficult game to play here as far as, all right, we want to upgrade our punter and take and find something better than sit boss, but then they have to find somebody that they're really comfortable with being a better punter and a better holder. And if you're going to choose between one or the other or play the give and take, you'd rather make sure that your kicking game is solid. So if there's somebody out there and you know, they work out guys all the time. If there's someone out there that they feel can come in be a better punter and at least maintain the same level of um you know holding the snap then maybe they'll make that move that's because i agree with you it it sticks out right now that it's not not a good part everything else seems like a a fine-tuned machine except for, for special teams at the moment
3: we love nitpicking so i might as well nitpick with someone other than the eagles and that's our friend at pro football focus uh their cornerback ratings coming into the week they had slay as number three or four in the league they had uh, their slot corner is, uh, they didn't end up missing Maddox as, I, as much as I thought they would yesterday. They had him top 10 and they had Bradbury way down in the, the late twenties, like almost 30th cornerback rating in the league. And I'm That's going still pretty amazing.
5: good though. <laughs> That's still pretty good as a whole
3: Good point. Still probably yeah. upper third. Yeah. yeah okay i just think he's been better than that and his uh perfectly timed interception yesterday was on point i keep blaming the missed tackle in the first game against detroit when he whipped against DeAndre yeah. swift as them holding that against him as badly as it did how good is Bradbury
6: put played in your eyes jeff i think he's been good i, th- I you know find very f- few faults with what he's done i don't know how I try not to even discuss PFF, not out of any disrespect, but I don't know how they make their grades. So yeah, I don't
5: think anybody does. Know, I'll it, never yeah. forget
6: the day Aaron Rodgers threw five touchdown passes and they gave the guy like a 23.7 rating uh, on a Monday night. Uh, that was like eight years ago. Um, but So I don't know how they do it. I just know that when I watch the Eagles defense, uh, maybe it's, it's sort of perhaps PFF takes in what you're being asked to do. Um, and the Eagles are doing a lot of matchup zone, a lot of pattern matching, which is not easy, but it's sort of a way where you're kind of got your man for man until you pass them off to somebody else. So maybe that's graded differently than if you're sticking with your man 20, 30 yards downfield. I, I really don't know. But um, if, if there's some weakness there, then nobody's figured out how to attack it yet.
5: Yeah, uh, speaking of Brett, he baited Trevor Lawrence on that throw. He was he he knew exactly what was going on. One yeah. of the savviest zone corners in this league, he yep. baited him and and he took advantage of a young quarterback. But uh, most, I want to talk about the defense as a whole. Small samples, we're still, but they're getting larger. So mm-hmm. the Eagles come in to this game as the fifth ranked defense in the NFL. Um, They gave up 219 yards, so I don't know what it is, but it's going to be better than five this week. Um, I think Eagles fans don't often look at context in the fact that it's very difficult to play defense in the modern NFL. You see teams going up and down the field. You see teams with 13 seconds left going down the field, winning football games. You, You leave 24 seconds on the clock. We talk about that London game again. New Orleans is able to go down the field. They almost get a 61-yard field goal, ends in a double doink. It is hard to play defense in this league. Mm -hmm. Why does Jonathan Gannon get so much criticism for having a top-five defense? Last year, with the lack of talent, it was number 10. What more are people expecting?
6: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I actually felt like over the last three weeks, at least from an inside the bird standpoint, the emails we get, the feedback we get, has not been as much um, criticism of John and John Gannon in, in that time span. So we'll see. But I remember, remember, you know this better than anyone, John. Like this is this this is a the town of defense, right? This is the town of, yeah. of Buddy Ryan, who didn't win a playoff game, who is still a hero. <laughs> this is the town of Brian Dawkins. So, um, it, you can't just be a good defense and get a lot of respect. I mean, you can't get off to a bad start like Jonathan Gannon did last year and just overcome that, uh, reputation with a snap of your finger. So, uh, you know, I know that and and the weird thing is they're not blitzing a ton, but they are blitzing more than last year. So you would think that that would yeah. satisfy some people, but, um, well, you know, the, if the one thing I'll say is about their defense, as good as it's been, it's really helped out by the offense because the offense right now is a ball control offense. It's a, it's a offense that in the second quarter, especially, I think it scored 80 points now. So in four weeks, the Eagles had gone into the halftime, usually with the lead and with a hot hand and gotten the ball back in the third quarter. And that has made opponents feel like they have to pass against the Eagles to get back in the game because they're down. Because I do think if the Eagles run into a team, and there, there are some coming on the schedule. You know, Dallas likes to run regardless. Indianapolis will run with Jonathan Taylor. The Tennessee will run with Derrick Henry. So if there is a team that can kind of hang with them for the first half and uh, run the ball and devote to run, we've seen that the Eagles are 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 built to stop the pass more than stopping the run. They're small on the back end. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of hold up their end of the bargain against one of those Teams that does devote to the run, but again, that they that team that does devote to the run has to be able to stop the Eagles' offense first, so that the game isn't out of hand. All right, uh, most you mentioned the fact
3: that the Cowboys will stick to the run, and they did yesterday, and they're three and one, and the Giants are three and one. Eagles are four and zero. They're only one game up in the division shouldn't yeah, really. have worries that the NFC least is anything but this year, that at least through four weeks, small sample size, it's one of the better divisions in football.
6: One of the more successful divisions in football? <laughs> yeah. The
5: <temp>.
7: If the <laughs> season
6: ended
5: today, most, there would be three teams in the playoffs from the NFC East. That, that, and that by the incredible. way, the Eagles would also have the number three overall pick, uh, but the that season is, does not end today.
6: No, that that's incredible, all of that. Um, I, listen, I think that that validates what a lot of us have said. We, we felt that the NFC East was going to be better. I think I even said it last time I was on with you guys. I thought it would not be the joke of the NFL anymore, and it's not. It's not great, but they obviously are not uh, – it's not terrible, and, and some teams are getting better. Uh, one thing I said – you know, I'm pat myself on the back. I, when Dak went down and everybody said the Cowboys were going to suck and the division's over – I said I don't believe that for a second. I think their defense is one of the best in the NFL. I thought it was going to keep them in games. I didn't. I didn't think they would be undefeated without Dak. But they're on a good trajectory. That game against the Eagles in a couple weeks is going to be a really fantastic game, whether Dak plays or not, because their defense is legit and they can stop a running game. Um, we've seen them do that. So I, I, I look forward to that, and I think Dallas will be in it until the end with the Eagles there. So that that le- for the first time in a long time, I think that second game between the Cowboys and Eagles is going to be very, very meaningful for both teams.
5: Yeah. Christmas Eve, difficult spot for the Eagles too, because that's in Dallas and it's the third of three consecutive road games. So we talk about how easy this schedule is. That part, that little sliver is not easy. That is a, a very difficult spot. A lot of Penn state. We'll get the Penn state love for Jeff Mosher, Miles Sanders first, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is just, unblockable i mean yeah, that guy he's a beast. is an unbelievable football player so yeah the cowboys and cooper rush by the way give him credit man. game manager call him whatever you want guys win in football games so yeah that's pretty impressive as well um as far as this eagles team that now every week it's been First, it was Jalen Rager. Well, not as much, Jalen, but you know, <laughs> then it was Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson. Now we're in the Zach Ertz week at Arizona. We keep saying this Eagles team needs to be tested. They did, you know, face adversity and persevered. That was sort of a theme yesterday. So that was a test. Now they go on the road against a good team, not a great team. And the Eagles are favorite. Um, and they should be, um, is this finally the big test for this team, Arizona coming up
6: in the sense that it's a road game. It's a far road game and, and they'll get a little dose of their own medicine because, you know, Kyler Murray is the type of guy that can foil a game plan by doing things that Jalen hurts does, which is, you know, he can throw the ball. Well, he can run well, he can, you can have the perfect blitz dialed up. He can beat it. You got the perfect coverage dialed up. He can extend the play. But he's also going to make a lot of mistakes, Kyler Murray. So, he, he, you know, talent for talent, I don't think that the Cardinals are as good of a 53 or even close to as good of a 53 as the Eagles are. But you're right, and, and I'm a big law of averages guy. You know, every time the Eagles win a game, they get closer to losing their first game. It's going to happen. They're not going undefeated this year. Uh, Dallas is up in two weeks. I don't know if they really get into the whole trap game mentality. Uh, but every time they win a game, the next week is a trap game because everybody's talking about, Oh, they're winning. They're winning. They should beat every team. So, I mean, Arizona can present some problems. Um, I do think the Eagles are better, but you know, if they lose, I'd be shocked? No,
3: not at all. Eagles just have to hope that TJ Watt doesn't have to have his heart shocked again this week. JJ, yeah. that
5: was, yeah, that was crazy. That Holy was a crazy mackerel. story.
3: Um, and then he went out and played well for Arizona. I watched some of that game in the late window yesterday. All right, Mo, you touched on it for a second again. I need you to explain something that I don't quite understand. Kudos to our guy, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports. I saw him tweet this yesterday. The Eagles have scored 84 points in the second mm-hmm. quarter alone in their four games so far this year. The next closest in the history of the National Football League points in the second quarter through four games is the 1941 Bears. You got to go back 80 years and they only scored 71 points. So it's not like they, they had one more point than the all-time highest. No, they had <laughs> 11 more points. Yeah, What the hell? How, how do you get so good in the second quarter what does it mean, if anything?
6: This one, yeah, this one I can't help you with. <laughs> I'm, as, <laughs> I'm, as, I'm as sort of blown away by it as, as anybody else is. Um, you know, I tried to rationalize it like two weeks ago. Not, not necessarily the high scoring in the second quarter, but why they weren't scoring much in the, in the second half. You know, that Minnesota game, they drove down the field. They had a, a field goal block. That's not a lack of offense or taking the foot off the pedal. You just made a mistake. Then the Kenneth Gainwell interception. Um, again, they were driving the ball. They could have scored. That was a mistake. Uh, then, then they went and played Washington. And, you know, just from watching tape, I think, you know, when you're, when you're up by that and you try to sort of run, run more um, and take some time off the clock, but you're doing that against Payne and Allen, two really good defensive tackles, gave them issues. And so it kind <coughs> of, you know, sputtered their defense a little bit. I, but, I, you know, I cannot explain why in the second quarter they come out like gangbusters all the time. Um, they, they have this unbelievable ability to mix what they're doing. Um, they've had some slow starts and then all of a sudden it's like a light switch there they turn it on the second quarter. I can guarantee you this though. That's not going to be how it is every single game for the rest of the year. So, but I think I'm not saying they have to do anything different. I just think it's like a, a strange sort of coincidence that is going to wind up evening itself out by the end of the year.
5: At Jeff Mosher, NFL. Follow Jeff there on Twitter. Uh, read him inside the birds.com. Listen to him inside the birds podcast with our buddy Adam Kaplan as well. Um, last one for me you, you mentioned sort of the Eagles' ability to, in the second quarter, the offensive. You know, how close are we coming to Shane Steichen? being the guy in in the NFL coaching market in the offseason. Everybody talks about JG because he got three different interviews. Well, more than that, but three different teams interviewing him. All of a sudden, Shane Steichen, he's going to be the guy if this keeps going. Uh, So is it fair to say you got to take advantage of this coaching staff while you still have this coaching staff together?
6: Yes, um, I think because the nf of the NFL's highly flawed coach-selecting process. and this It is like flawed. A, Man, this it sounds like a, I'm sorry, that sounds like I was about to diss Shane Steichen, and I'm not. Shane no. Steichen has done a fantastic job. But, you know, I'm sure, John, you, you speak to people around the league like, like me and Adam do, and it's amazing how many times you mention play calls, play designs, and what the Eagles do, and the first name that comes up is Jeff Stoutland. Not yeah. Shane Steichen, not Nick Sirianni. I think he's too much typecast as just an offensive line coach who who develops offensive linemen well, which he does. He's a victim of his success, but a lot of what they do schematically, Jeff Stelton is a much bigger part than people realize. And why he would not be the first guy on that. T- given that he's out there, like people know who Jeff Stelton is, you can see his videos uh, on the. It's not like he's a, a quiet guy you never heard of. Why? Someone who has those leadership qualities, that football mind, that, you know. Well, you know, I know because he's an offensive line coach. But Well, it's age also age, too. Age is part age. of it. It's just, yeah. I mean, David Culley got hybrid by Texas. He was like almost 70. But uh, but you're right. It it's is – the league does trend toward young players. But why somebody wouldn't just say, I got to have Just Steltland leading my team. I can't figure it out. But, you know, the, the Eagles will just – be happy with that but yeah Steichen probably will get more interviews than than just that one but that to me is the the sort of the wizard of oz to their success the guy that nobody really talks about well you know the interesting
5: thing about stout to me because i kind of you know i don't think it's right as somebody with a gray beard you know i think there's a little bit of ageism but um what what amazes me if you go back to Eugene Chung, who's not even in this league, or Roy, is, why don't people hire the Jeff assistant. Stoutland's assistants? Mm-hmm. They they still, you know, if they're looking for a player, oh, Taylor Lewan gets hurt, let's pick up uh, uh, Raven Clark. Uh, Detroit had a bunch of injuries, let's yep. pick up Coyote Iwasica. You know, last year was it last year or? when Miami tried to pill pursue opetta um, mm-hmm. they just go to Philadelphia and say, well, you know, Stoutland's guys are going to at least know how to surface blocks and things like that. Yep. I'm amazed. They don't hire his assistants and try to wait, at wait. least. Yeah. It, that part to me is really confusing.
6: I mean, they try to steal everybody else. Uh, they try to steal Howie's assistant. They have stolen Howie's assistants. Left, yeah. Right, and <laughs> center, <but> not- yeah. <laughs> They have picked the Eagles' front
3: office apart during these last couple offseason. You're right on that, Moshe. Right, I need you your might, opinion on quick, this. Real sure. quick,
6: you might also see Kevin Petulo's name surface. Because yeah. a lot of people around the league know that Kevin is Nick's right-hand man in the passing game. And you've seen the Eagles be much more dynamic of a passer uh, yeah. than Jalen Hurts this year.
5: And he got a Chicago, I believe, interview this offseason. For their – yeah. Or it might have right. been Green Bay. Green Bay or Chicago. Wonder one of those Right, two. right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. All right. I uh, need your opinion on this because I think my partner might be a little bit biased because he jumped on the San Francisco bandwagon before. Oh, yeah. All
5: right. I got that one. There's um, time.
3: There's time. Rams 49ers tonight. Who should Eagle fans be rooting for if we want to separate ourselves from the rest of the NFC? Do you want to see San Francisco get buried at uh, two and one, at uh, one and three, or uh, have them both sitting at two and two with a San Francisco win? Because 49ers have been able to beat the Rams during the regular season. Couldn't beat them in the biggest game last year, but they've kind of owned them in the regular season. How should Eagle rooting interests go tonight for the
6: Monday Nighter? Did I say, are the are the 49ers favorites in that game? Yeah, point and a half. That's that's mind boggling. I guess because of the history you just said, they, um, they beat them every time in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, they do. All right, well, it's week four. I mean, if you if you if you're looking that long term, I yes, personally of would course, you come on, Mosher. It's, it's all 49ers. about the Super
3: Bowl. We got to put the rest of the <laughs> NFC in yeah. our Riviera.
6: Yeah. I would or the for the Eagles fans
5: out in Arizona, they're already booking their second trip to Arizona coming there up. There you go. There you go.
6: Yeah. I would say, root for the 49ers. I, you know, I have a whole lot of respect for them. But, um, you know, once they lost Trey Lance and had to go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, and, you know, they have a great defense, but I, I, I don't think that they're going to have the same magic that they had last year. I, I just don't
3: most uh, great stuff always a pleasure whenever you come on thank you much please check out the website inside the birds and the podcast with adam kaplan send our resar- res- regards to mr kaplan appreciate you jumping in early today all right fellas thanks for having me have a good one
0: that thanks, is
3: jeff. jeff mosher of inside the birds podcast and inside the com. all right jody mac Johnny mac coming back uh, next hour, we will uh, add our usual Monday guest. That would be Chris Franklin of NJ. Post-game .com. Chris Franklin.
5: I'm starting that. Post-game Is that, Chris that
3: game. what we're calling him? Yeah. Since we can't get That's game day, crats on game day. We, got
5: yeah. <laughs> we need post-game. Post-game Chris Franklin.
3: Post-game Chris Franklin will be joining us in about 25 minutes from now, but we'll come back, continue to talk about the Eagles. Win over the Jags and 4-0 and start. Only undefeated team in the National Football League.
4: Official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
0: Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why.
3: McMahon and jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Uh, day after the Eagles extend their winning streak, if you carry over uh, last, year, well, you've got to add the Dallas Cowboy game in uh, at the end of the year. They've been playing damn good football, save that playoff effort against Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a long period of time. Only four and and0 team in the National Football League. John, I'll be honest, I wondered about this coming in. I wasn't real. Oh my God, they're in trouble. Um, but I just was intrigued by the fact that they were the only 3-0 and team left in the National Football League after the Dolphins got beat on Thursday night, that maybe, just maybe coming into this game, they'd be smelling themselves <clears> just <throat> a little bit. There was no sign of that yesterday, was there?
5: Um, no, well, I mean, they didn't get off to the, the best start. So I did think, you know, there was there was a moment where people saying, uh-oh, you know, maybe something's going on here. You're down 14 nothing. And, and then I mentioned that big fourth and three play where I don't know what Trevor Lawrence was thinking, but, um, you know, if they convert that, you're really up against it. Um, so I think there was a moment and, and, and Nick Sirianni talked about it. You know, I was the one who asked him the question. It was like he admitted we haven't faced adversity. you, know, you said a little bit in Detroit, but, Um, we really haven't faced a lot of adversity. So that was the first. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your
3: outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com. For more
5: Great Deals.
3: Save big money the
5: time they they got punched in the mouth, so to speak, and, and they recovered, and they recovered in a big way. Um, you know, I saw that first, fourth, you know, they're 4-0 with, with over 400 offensive yards in each game, which has happened, I think, four times since 1970. Um, so I mean, they're, they're playing at a high level and they got 400 yesterday, just barely 401, but they got 401 on a day they shouldn't have gotten 401. I mean, you know, the conditions were horrible, um, especially to throw the football and they were still able to get some things done in the passing game. We're not talking about that as much, but you know, AJ Brown had some big plays and, um, they were able to get some things done in the passing game as well. So, um, but man, they, when they want to run the football, they just, and and Jason Kelsey, uh, you know, he, we all think this is his last season, but boy, if he's healthy and he's playing like this, I don't know why he would want to walk away.
3: Here's the question I have for you about the comp of the Eagles offenses compared to their defense. Right now, they're dynamite on both aspects of the game. You just uh, gave out the numbers prior to the game. Top five defense, if you go by. And it's the standard across the league. I think you need to be a little bit more contextual than just average yards per game. Yeah, but I agree. Defense. defense has been dynamite. Offense has been dynamite. Is there an in-team competition between the two sides of the football? Because sometimes that can be very uh, productive.
5: Yeah. I don't sense that. I, I do think the defense is getting fired up. They have those turnover t-shirts now and they got a bunch, they got to make a bunch more t-shirts. So we've seen that at the college level with the turnover chains and things like that. And uh, they're really, you know, circling like sharks at times. Um, You know, I know a lot of, I got, I got the Jordan Davis questions today because uh, I think he only played 17 snaps. Now, I think they only had forty. I gotta look up those numbers real quick. Uh, the defense was only out there for forty-two snaps, I believe. Um, so you know, seventeen is what he's been normally playing from a percentage uh, standpoint. Um, but I do think, and I go back. You and I discussed uh, this back in the in in the off season. I was concerned that you know, people might not realize what Jordan Davis's impact is because it doesn't show up on the stat sheet a lot. Um, You saw the big stuff, you know, the reason they're getting all these sacks and, and, and Jonathan Gannon's blitzing a little bit more and it was 47 snaps, 47 um, is because they're getting in second and long and third and longs. And that's because of that, that, you know, a lot of that is Jordan Davis in, in the run stuffing, not just Jordan, but he's a big part of it. And all of a sudden, I would say, if you're, if you're third and three, Jody, you're not, by and large, you're not going to blitz that much, especially when you're playing a veteran quarterback. Maybe that changes a little bit against Trevor Lawrence, but a veteran quarterback who's sound and savvy and they know what's coming. You know, you can blitz on third and three. It's not going to be successful that much. 3rd and 10, 3rd and 12, if you're behind the sticks, that's a whole different ballgame. And that's what the Eagles are doing. Um, and they're, it's enabled them to be more aggressive in these situations. And they've been producing. And not just yesterday with the turnovers, but as a whole, um, I would imagine they're going to be number one in turnover ratio now after four weeks. They've had a ton of sacks what more do people want? They're going to be top five. I don't know how much, how much better contextually can you produce in the modern NFL than this defense is produced?
3: Let me ask you about Jordan Davis and give the uh, amount of snaps. They were still a little short for me. And I, I readily admit, I'm sitting on my couch watching a game. I'm not down there. I'm not watching practice. I'm not an NFL coach, but, he seems to be affecting the game on almost every single play that he's in there. And I get it. I thought Fletcher Cox, who I think ended ended up with like one combined tackle yesterday, didn't show up on the stats. Seemed to me like Fletcher was involved uh, mightily yesterday and, and had a really good solid game. He played a lot of snaps. They stuck with Hargrave and, and Fletcher uh, for most of the game yesterday on the inside. But it seemed to me like Davis had maybe his best game so far And again, he's not playing near as many snaps as either Hargrave or Cox. Is that the way it's going to stay all year?
5: Yeah, Pletch and and Javon continue to play the way they're playing. It's the same thing with N'Kobe Dean. People ask the same question. N'Kobe's not getting on the field if T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White continue to play like T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White are playing. Now, it's a little bit lesser with with Jordan because he plays, but... um, you know, Fletcher and Jaybon are playing at a high level after week 1 at least. Um, and if they continue to play, now the good as as veteran players post 30 players, you know, maybe that doesn't sustain itself over 17 games and then you have Jordan Davis sort of having this ramp up period. You know, he played more than Milton Williams which he typically doesn't do. Now Milton was was uh Dealing with a bit of a knee injury so maybe that affected it and and Marlon Tui Peloto as well so he actually played more than those guys now the snaps aren't because they they were only out there for 47 um, J- Davis was at 17 so 36% Williams was at 13 uh, Tui Pelotu was at 12 so actually from a contextual standpoint he's playing a little bit more he's going a little bit up they just weren't on the field because they were so <laughs> dominant offensively that part of it's not a bad thing but as long as Bletcher Cox and Jayvon Hargrave play like they're playing yeah this is a luxury you can afford uh to to let Jordan Davis you know stick his toes in the pool before he dives in now in a lot of other situations where you don't have players like that, you got to throw a rookie in the deep end of the pool, you know, and then you have the startup cost and, the, and they're probably, you know, more mistakes and, but you live with it because you don't have anybody else right now. The Eagles are deep and they got, they got better and players performing. So it's the best of both worlds. Johnny Mac, this
3: uh, came down over the weekend. So I, I need your take on it. It's, Something that isn't uh, immediately reflective of the Philadelphia Eagles, but it could come to it at some point, the whole to a a, a tongue of a lower thing from Thursday night. Uh, The follow up from the Sunday before went against Buffalo after you got pushed to the ground, you could tell he hit his head, got up, tried to walk, stumbled badly uh, they took him back to the locker room and then he came back out and played in the game. He gets cleared to play in a short week, Thursday night, hits his head again. Uh, the really disturbing video of him on the ground with his fingers. He couldn't even move. Um, so there was a lot of fallout from that and people questioning the NFL, the Dolphins for even playing to a Tonga Valoa. Well, the NFL and the NFL PA reacted. The NFL PA fired the independent neurologist who cleared him to play, which was within their rights. That's how they do that. It's yeah, If it's a hiring it by is. both the league and the NFLPA, then either side has the right to fire the individual. Oh, the NFLPA came out and immediately uh, fired the guy. So the two sides met and came together with a pretty damn quick plan to change the way they're going to handle concussion protocol see going me shaking forward. shaking my head, Jody. Uh, okay let me at least explain it before nah. i give you the chance to uh, i'm
5: not shaking my head at you i'm i'm shaking my head at them but go ahead sir. they
3: they uh, I, I, the only thing i'll give them positively is the fact that they acted reacted quickly and it is a reaction not a pro action um that they are now going to have individuals who can judge while the game is ongoing if there is any kind of major mobility issue that a player gets up and is wobbly that they can be designated for complete non-return. You're out. You're done for the day. Head to the locker room, even if you're completely fine, pass any other concussion protocols they had in place previously. Guy is immediately told you can no longer play. They are doing it for the protection of the player, at least on the NFL sides. They're doing it on protection of themselves so they don't get sued for concussions thereafter. We know that's also in play. Johnny Mac, here's what I fear. And just tell me that um, I'm way overreacting to this. We will start to hear complaints. Oh, yeah. From, oh fan, yeah. from fans. Oh, yeah. that See a player get up and stumble and go, eh, review him. Go to review. Get him out of the game. If it's the other team's star quarterback. I saw him. He took a misstep. He should be out of the game. He's got a potential concussion. Get him back to the locker room while trying to close a loophole, I think they've opened a potential loophole that could be major issues down the road.
5: Yeah, the NFL isn't bad at a lot of things, but they are really bad at unintended consequences. Really bad. Yeah, I mean, this is absurd. This is absurd, the way they kowtow to social media. Look, what they essentially said, and I put this on Twitter, Jody, is, you know, Immediate Twitter reaction is more valuable than doctors, independent doctors. Uh, th- this this is an absurd overreaction. Now, here's the problem with the Chua situation in in the NFL, and and it's not transparent. That's the problem. Now, if any of these morons on Twitter, yeah, I'm going to say morons on Twitter, think they know more about concussions than doctors than neurologist. I mean god god uh, i if you have that kind of ego and hubris in your life to believe that you know more and you understand this better than these people that so the problem comes down with the transparency. You said Miami cleared. He was cleared. He was cleared by an independent neurologist. Independent. As you the key
3: word in that sentence.
5: Yeah. Um so when you talk about, and, and Nick Sirianni defaults to this as well, um, he's not the expert. He's got to listen to his medical people. So if somebody's cleared, they're cleared. You play them, you don't play them, whatever. Uh, but they're cleared, um, and and that was the case with Tua. Now, you can sit there and play revisionist history as, as some rando, saying, oh, I know more than this neurologist from North Carolina, or whoever the heck it was, who's independent. He's not on Miami. He's not trying to push things through. Evidently, what happened was, and again, here's a problem, and I've been through this with Malcolm Jenkins, and Malcolm was very honest about this. When he when he pulled the Eagles to go back in the game and he had a concussion against uh, New Orleans, you know, first of all, players, most players want to play. Yep. And, you know, Tua said it was a back issue. Um, you know, they went through all the impact testing and that's another thing, by the way, concussions are still a very new sort of science and they don't have a concrete measuring stick. Um, so they go through all this impact testing. Some people think it's valuable. Some people don't think it's valuable, but whatever he passed it. Now you have this reaction. Now you hit the nail on the head from the NFL standpoint. From the NFL standpoint, it's just about protecting yourself from future liability. That's it. It's not about safety. It's not about anything other than that. From the L- NFLPA standpoint, they want to look like heroes in the court of public opinion. We're fighting for the health of players. And, it, and to their credit, that's what they get. But to to kowtow the social media reaction – know nothing about this issue nothing zero maybe less than zero percent is an absurd policy to have and you hit the nail on the head this is Pandora's box because hey Eagles fans want to beat the Cowboys oh Dak Prescott is wobbly yes Um, uh, Cowboys fans want to beat the Eagles oh Jalen Hurts is not getting up well Uh, uh, this this is a bad Bad in policy. Jeff. And
3: I have the the statement that they released Saturday night, uh, and I could read the whole thing. It'd take me a minute or two, but I'll, I'll just highlight what I think is the biggest part: gross motor instability. That's what they're calling it. If it is viewed on the field, a player shows gross motor instability, then they would be a no go for the remainder of the game. John McMullen, please define gross motor instability for me.
5: Yeah, well, um, that's why. You don't
3: know. I don't know. None of us know. What is gross? I've never heard that phrase before. I guess you point to the video. Gross motor instability. What is it?
5: I guess you point to the video of Tua. But I I did say, you know, Patrick Johnson uh, got a concussion. Kyron Johnson, uh, potential concussion yesterday. I did say in the Prescott, they're not coming back in. Not this week.
3: No, they're not getting clear.
5: No, 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 no. Yeah, they're not getting cleared period. And they didn't. And they didn't.
3: You are 100% right about that. And I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that this was a step in the right direction and one that uh, causes improvement in the way players are treated and we don't have incidents like what happened with Tua Tungavolo on the field on Thursday night, which was just tough to watch, tough to swallow. I hope it works out well for the NFL.
5: Maybe I'm a nice thing, Jody. Here's the thing. And look, it was ugly and I hope too was okay. He didn't have a concussion the first time. He did not have a concussion as per their own test, as per their impact testing. He did not have a concussion. I think people get, I, I, I've yet to see one person point that out. He did not have a diagnosed concussion coming into the Thursday game.
3: And a couple other things from your negative Nelly host. Um, No one mentioned this, which I thought was very interesting. I kind of harped on this on my national show on Saturday night. He was taken immediately from the game to a Cincinnati hospital. Now, if you're looking for an independency here, what does a Cincinnati hospital care about to a As a matter of fact, if anything, they'd like to keep him at the hospital longer, just in case the game goes into overtime so he can't go back and play. They released him to get back on a plane, to fly back to Miami after the game, where it surely would have been more advantageous to say, Mr. Tungavello, we're going to put you in a hotel. We're going to put you in a hospital room. We're going to turn off the lights. We're going to leave you undisturbed for the next 12 hours because it can only help. That would have been the prudent thing to do if you're at Cincinnati Hospital. They (laughs) tested him. They looked at him, and they said, all right, you can go. We're going to throw a neck brace on you so you don't move too much. But yeah, go ahead, get back on a plane and fly back to Miami. So yeah. it wasn't like Tua was close to death. No, he hit his head. And he probably no, came it was back very a little scary.
5: It was very scary in the moment. It and, looks and,
3: really scary.
5: Yeah, and and in the video, and that's why, Jody, people react to the video. But yeah, he was fine and, and able. But, but, uh, but the kid from Georgia... Um, uh in london yesterday broke his ankle uh what, what? Lewisine uh broke his ankle the first round pick uh he not he wasn't able to leave london because he's got to get an operation um you know they they keep you in the hospital if yeah. you need to stay in the hospital uh you know but it it people Everything is so political in our country and concussions have become this political football. It's bizarre. It's absurd. Doctors are doctors, independent doctors are, look, they make mistakes. I, one of one of my favorite jokes is there's never been an unsuccessful surgery in the history of mankind. Well, there has been. It's just always described as successful surgery. I'm not saying they don't make mistakes. I'm saying they know more than you and I'm not talking to you, Jody, I'm talking to the average span. And they don't give a hoot if Cincinnati's beating Miami. Uh, they're going to they're gonna take care of, of the patient the best way they can. Now, people can bring in, because they saw the Oliver Stone movie and James Woods playing the evil doctor and the old NFL, the Wild Wild West, where you push players to play. You, you can point to that kind of stuff with team doctors. Independent doctors, they don't give a flying. you know mm-hmm. what? They don't care.
3: And the other pushback I got when this story broke on Saturday night was, oh, it's Thursday night. That's the problem. They can't play games on Thursday. You can't have the – it's the evil owners of the National Football League teams who are – Well, that I eating. agree
5: with, but for different reasons. Different reasons. I hate Thursday football.
3: Oh, well, but... you can hate it all you want, but I'll say this exactly what I said on Saturday night. If you put it to a vote of the NFL players, if you told them, listen – Thursday night generates, let's go with a a small 3% of the overall revenue. You know Amazon is paying millions, sneaking up on billions of dollars to have that property on Thursday night. If everybody were to take a 3% of course board pay cut, we'll do away with Thursday night. If you players are okay with making that much less, we as owners will be okay with making that Let's just do away with Thursday night. Everybody take the pay cut. Do you know how many players would vote for it?
5: Less yeah, than, zero. Less I'm than, with, less than five
3: yeah. percent which I, say, I, oh, yeah, I I'm not even, playing. Yeah,
5: okay. you're probably right. Maybe one or two would because they're trying to. Yeah, it. It. Look, nobody knows about Thursday and injuries. Nobody knows about injuries in general. You know, if they like to pretend they do. I talk it right. all the time with you. They don't. They don't know. And then, you know, two didn't get a concussion because he was playing on Thursday night. And anybody who says they know that, they <laughs> slam their, oh, he, it's because he didn't have that two extra days. Come on. You stop. Got no uh,
3: no idea whatsoever. Agreed. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, you Mac and Mac guys. We appreciate everybody who streamed in today. Uh, well over 500 people tuned in. Do us a favor. Hit that like button. Uh, yours truly, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. Need a little love. Like, share, and subscribe to us right here on Birds 365. Hey. You're liking the show could continue the Eagles undefeated season. I'm putting it on That's you guys. True. You That's need true. to like this show. If you want to see the Eagles stay undefeated, we'll come and back. That, and- we,
5: we got uh post game. Chris Franklin smiling in the green room. And, but, you know, unfortunately, cause it's never going to stop raining ever again, uh, I assume. Chris is indoors, so we don't get to hear the birds. Today. Oh, no birds today. The birds will
3: have to be the Philadelphia Eagles when yeah. we talk about the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Coming back, Chris Franklin with Mack Mac here on Birds 365.
4: The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia?
1: Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
0: Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why.
3: about the 4-0 Philadelphia Eagles and to lend a helping hand from NJ.com is day after Chris Franklin. Day after another victory, Chris Franklin. Was it yeah. ever in doubt in your mind? You're sitting there yesterday next to McMullen or on the complete opposite side of the press oh. box if you're smart. Um, and they're down 14 <laughs> nothing before got... you could blink.
7: Chris did... has got an up room. <laughs>
3: yeah. did, did you utter the phrase uh-oh at any time yesterday?
7: I'll be completely honest. I actually started writing my who's to blame for the loss after <laughs> his like head start. Yeah. So I really thought this, I started like 14 nothing and this offense couldn't get going. Defense going to, yeah, this might as well get started. But yeah, I'm, I thankfully I had to tear it up for Eagles, I had to tear it up and go for something different.
5: Yeah, that fourth and three, Chris, at the Eagles 34, when Trevor Lawrence, uh, unforced error, uh, really just, uh, flushing out. That was to me the the turning point of the game. Um they were, you know, they were they were teetering on the brink. Uh, and Nick kind of talked about it after the game. You never plan say, hey, we want to get down 14 nothing based on adversity. But it's nice when you face that adversity and are able to recover and come back. It was pretty impressive. I mean, uh, that was a good team coming in here. I think the weather helped. Uh, Lawrence didn't handle it well. But what was your most impressive part? The running game, um, the ability to take the football away. What stood out to you most?
7: I think for me it was Hassan Reddick. Because over his time, you saw him getting closer. Like, at the first two weeks, you're saying, like, okay, you're waiting for the sacks to come. You're waiting to see him get those hits and, and be that guy that they signed in the offseason. And to see the performance that he put together yesterday, I mean, getting the strip sacks, getting consistent pressure on Trevor Lawrence and basically impacting the game. And I look at that and I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, you know what? You have him going now. You got the interior defensive line of Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave and Jordan Davis. Now all of a sudden he's, he's getting yeah. pressed. Now. He's opening up opportunities for everybody else. And this it could really spur this defense. I
3: thought something that was impressive, Chris, and feel, feel free if I'm overstating it to shoot me down. Um, I think the Eagles have one of the best three-man corner groups in the National Football League. Um, they, I'll comp them with anyone when you add in the, the slot corner position. They're down two out of their three guys before you could blink yesterday. Maddox doesn't even play. Slay is done early. So you're really uh, testing your depth by going there. I thought they held up just fine. Yeah, I know Lawrence made a couple of plays early on, but then they reel off uh, as many unanswered points as they did. That's the defense getting its job done, certainly up front with uh, getting pressure on the quarterback. But the Bradbury interception, the overall coverage, I thought the Eagles secondary, having to deal with the adversity they did, was as impressive as any group in the uh, Eagles locker room yesterday.
7: And when you look at the guys who came up big at times, there are guys there are questions about. I mean, you look at Marcus Epps, you know, the way he was getting some pass-defending playing tight coverage. Johnson Gardner-Johnson looks like he's starting to get a little bit better when it comes to getting acclimated to the system. And he's starting to – you see the calls are being made. You know, he's playing a lot of snaps now. I think he was tied for, like, the most snaps as well, too, when he he eagles again. So, you see those guys. And then the fact you had Bradbury, the guy that you're starting to wonder. He came from Johnson. Everybody knew he was a good corner a couple years ago, but you do not like, okay, like, is there – the Giants, I know the Giants have cap issues, but why aren't they letting this guy go? And I thought it was funny yesterday. We we're standing around his locker, and, and you hear Darius Lake. We were talking, I asked questions. He goes, you guys are asking the wrong questions. And everybody's like, well, "What's the question? How the Giants let this guy go?" I <laughs> got like, sitting there looking like he he has got the good anticipation. He plays well on his own. And then Avante Maddox is almost like a forgotten guy. In that when you look at that trio, because like he was playing well. I think he was PFF before last week had him as a, a tenth, I think it's tenth, eighth or tenth highest graded cornerback in the league in coverage. So you look at his three, I was like, it's like Bobby Taylor, Vincent and Al Harris all over again in a way.
5: Yeah. It, it has been an impressive group. And James really baited Trevor Lawrence on that interception. I mean, he, he, he really showed that, that veteran savvy there. Um, I do want to talk about the injuries though. The one thing, I mean, they got pretty banged up and it started with Slay three plays in now. He seemed, as you mentioned, his gre- gregarious self after the game. I don't, I don't think it's too serious because he he was um, certainly not acting like somebody's going to miss significant time. Jordan Malata was still trying to get back out there in the third quarter, but um, we'll we'll have to see. Isaac Samalo uh, left late. Um, that's a concern, obviously coming off of last year. Um, any concern overall about these issues? The Eagles were able to overcome, as Jody mentioned. You you talk about Avante Maddox and Jack Driscoll playing left tackle, but I think the weather helped there, to be honest, because if that was pristine conditions, I think it changes, uh, you know, maybe the game, the complexion of the game a little bit. So you give Josiah Scott credit, Jack Driscoll credit, but, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be comfortable in a pristine like Arizona this week with Josiah Scott against that offense. Uh,
7: I don't know. <laughs> I I think it's, I think it might hopefully see, I think if I had a guess this is speculative, I think you may have Maddox back. You may. And it's gonna be probably up to game time. So if even if, if you don't, I think last day definitely the rain definitely helps, especially when you're in offense, you know where you're going. And yeah. defense, like you got, defense has to go and, and readjust. So I think that helped out a lot. I'm really concerned about Myalata, especially with a shoulder like that for a guy who has to keep continually push out his hands and, and get a block and take all that impact on that. On that. and I'm really now all of a sudden now you're starting to look at see how well Dillard is progressing now because you may have to lean on him eventually if if it's a long term thing and reactivate him off the uh, IR. So I'm looking at and the other one, Jake Elliott. You wonder how serious yeah. that is because, I mean, granted, it was, he missed the actual point when he was, was winning those conditions, but overall, he's a really reliable kicker. And we see how important kicking is in this league, so I'm fairly concerned. It's going to be a long injury list on Wednesday. How much do you
3: think the Elliott injury factored into Sirianni's decision to go for it after he had missed the PAT and after he had taken the hit He did put him back out there to kick another field goal after he took points off the board. So he he showed confidence. But then the decision later, I said, does the way he's viewing his kicker right now have to do with this decision to go for it on fourth down, which didn't work? Uh, How much do you think Sirianni factored that into that call?
7: I would not be surprised if it was in the back of his mind because it it could have been one of those things where, you know, you you get the hit and and you're feeling it's like, okay I'm fine. I'm fine. Then it was that cold and rainy weather started setting. Is like yeah, maybe I can't get the, the lift off the ground when it comes to that too. So I wouldn't be surprised if that had something to do with it. And I think he also he had some faith in his offense. I mean, they were still running the ball pretty effectively too, and he wanted to go ahead and have confidence in that. And I mean, look, I thought after that uh, effort got roughed, and I was like, all right, cool, maybe maybe this is probably the way to get that touchdown. And then they get touchdown after that, but they had to sell a field goal. And the way he got that out, I, I I gotta give credit. I mean, kickers. Kickers get the wraps. Some of them aren't the most toughest guys when you see it, but now you got a tackler and Sipos, and now you got Elliott. You know, got nothing. Yeah, I think the Eagles are all right, at least in the toughness aspect of it.
5: Yeah, that was a strange decision, though. Uh, and Chris and Nick really didn't want to talk about it after the game. I mean, if they kick it, and it's a pretty easy field goal at that point, yeah. game's yeah. over. Uh, and and they give it back to Jacksonville, down eight points, so it's a one possession game. And you're saying, uh, and here comes Hassan Reddick. You know, 10 seconds later, it's essentially a walk-off win. But um, that one was a little bit strange. Did these teams – because if you think about Doug, Doug Peterson, he was at the forefront of this new age of aggressiveness. And he did it again, as I mentioned, at fourth and three when it was 14-0. And it blew up on him. Now, it didn't blow up on Nick Sirianni. Do these teams get too over aggressive? Certainly, Brandon Staley does. But do you think Nick Sirianni's getting to the point where, all right, look at the look at the game situation, take the win, take the two possessions? Why? What are, What is the positive? Even if you what what's what's you know? I guess competence. What's the positive of going for that?
7: Well, I think I think a lot of it had to do with the weather. I think he's still very conservative. I really think he's one of those guys that wants to not put his offense in the bad position, you know, offensive guy, because basically when it comes to the whole flow, ebb and flow, the whole field position thing. I think the weather definitely played a role in that, and I think he was like, you know what? In certain aspects, I want to get I think early on, especially that first one from his own 30, I think he just wanted, to, he had confidence in his lines. Like, you know, I just want to get things going. Just,
5: yeah, that was Brandon Staley. Like, like, yeah, that, yeah. that from his own 30. Woo. Yeah, I, I, I I've seen I've seen that's seen like, the first time we talked about that. Yeah, that was, that was gutsy. Yeah, not I've as gutsy like, when he have Jalen Hurts, but gutsy. Yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I the same thing like, what, what is he doing? But then it's like, all right, you look, like looking back a day later, I'm like, all right, it wasn't, the, the line was okay. You think you figured you had an advantage there, but I didn't think I'd ever see the day that Nick Sirianni go from from his own 30 and it's not the fourth quarter. Like it is, he's still conservative, but I think it was more about about the situation and the weather and everything else like that.
3: Another good sign, Mr. Franklin, is we've had you on for 15 minutes. We had Jeff Mosher on earlier for a solid half hour. I think Jalen Hurts was mentioned in passing maybe once. The NFL has become such a quarterback league. It's all a quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. Well, the quarterback's been very good for the first three weeks here in Philadelphia. He wasn't great yesterday, but he throws the early pick six, and things could have gone sideways for him in the offense. And his narrow focus and his ability to stay in the moment, I think, was a major contributor yesterday, even if he just handed a ball off to Miles, and they're opening up huge lines in front of him. He's still the guy that ran the ship. And I think he showed you a little something something yesterday by not allowing uh, the t- team to continue to slip slide after the uh, bad start on the pick six.
7: Yeah, you know, and, I'm, and for, mo- for most of the season, when you look at Jalen Hurts and I'm looking at his decision making and his ability to just like that, that, pull that trigger when he saw something to go with it, he's been able to do it. And then I saw that he double clutch. If he threw it when he initially wanted to, I still wouldn't throw it that close double coverage over that side, but if he threw it away at you, he had a better chance of either completing or being bad down instead of double pumping. And next you know, he's trying to become a linebacker, which you don't want to see him do that. But overall, I thought when you look at the way he's stuck with it, that's the one thing when you look at his demeanor, he seems like he's on phase. You can tell him, hey, your house on fire. All right, where's the water? Call the fire department, we'll be good. They say so he was able to just continue to yeah. do that over and over again. And I think it's one of the things that I think the offense kind of felt about. I thought it was pretty telling I think it was I don't know if it was him I think it may have been him, but it says like I we didn't have to say anything. We know it was understood. We'll just go from there, and that's an element you want to see from a guy, especially with the way this team is trending early on. for and it's more often than not they're probably in the playoffs. So you want to see a guy in the postseason. We see something goes they them going down early. You want to see a guy that's not phased by the moment and continue to bring them in the right direction.
5: All right, let's talk game balls, Chris Franklin, because the Eagles had to give out eight of them. I think Nick Nick <laughs> said to the offensive line, anytime they get to 200 yards rushing, he's given the offensive line game balls. Um, they deserved it yesterday, man. Uh, that you know, 14 to seven after the Eagles scored, they had that nine play drive. Eight were runs. One was a screen that Dallas got her in. Jason and Kelsey and Isaac Sayamalo specifically were just blowing people off the line. And Miles Sanders had a career day. Great, great day for him. But man, those were some big holes. Um <laughs> and he was reading them, reading them correctly. Uh, how 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 good is this team's rushing attack? And is it so unique that they should play it up more? In other words, I talked about this with Jody in the first hour. You know, there are very few teams in this league that that run the football consistently. A couple, Tennessee, you know, with Derrick Henry, but even that's a little bit different. The Eagles have this because of Jeff Stoutland and his ability to to coordinate that running game and scheme it up. They're so unique. Like, everybody seems surprised when they see these blocking combinations. In a weird way, do the Eagles not use it enough?
7: I think they do. I think when you look at what they have now, I think last year, I thought they should have used it a lot more early on because I thought they would have done a lot better because I didn't think they had the weapons and able to move the ball down the field effectively through the air. Now, when that you have, like, your A.J. Brown and everybody else is is another year in the system, I think now you, you can start to go like that 60-40 a little bit. But when you look at the way this line has blocked the aggressiveness, and you mentioned Isaac and Kelsey. Kelsey was just going to get into a second level. Unbelievable. Like, it was crazy. And another guy I really liked yesterday was Landon Dickerson, that nastiness he was showing. I mean, he looked he, he was having fun just pushing people around. And you like see that. And to me, the, the mark of a really good running team is when another – the defense knows it's third and three, and you have to stop on fourth and three, whatever – and you just continue to run them down there. You basically take their heart at them, yeah. And you do that, you lose yeah. your will on that. That's how you know you got something going on there. And I think when you look at the guys they have there, Stoutland's done a really good job. It just seemed like it's almost like a plug and play. It seems like you look like Sua, Peta, and okay, well, okay, he's be all right that way. Too. It,
5: it, it is plug and play with the running game now. Sometimes they guys like Sua have issues in pass protection, but with the running game. And Baldy, Brian Baldinger, just put up uh, some of his clips, as he always does. He's got Lane Johnson clips on on Trayvon Walker, who is, Trayvon Walker is extremely, extremely talented. And that's what everybody looks for, right, Chris? In the NFL, they look for these super athletes. And then all of a sudden, the super athlete gets up, oh, here's Lane Johnson. All right, that's over. That's done. (laughs) He gets his hands on him. Uh, this offensive line I can't give them enough flowers today. I mean, I'm shutting down the flower shop. It is the, <laughs> un, especially especially from the run blocking aspect. It, it it's amazing what this group does and it all starts with Jeff Stout.
7: Yeah, and you see the little tweaks that the little tweaks they do in and out every week. I mean, you'll you'll see a little like the little fold block where you, you you'll see you'll see the pulls that come out of nowhere and I'm sitting just looking like, "All right, if if I'm of a defensive line coach for another team, like okay, most teams you can tell, like okay, here's outside zone. We know this guy's going here, and then he's moving up to this way. But there's little wrinkles that they're starting. They've incorporated along the way, even when it comes down to little splits. You see the little things, like oh, I I can tell this way he's two feet. He's actually I could tell this is going on inside. Wait, okay, now okay, they change it changes up. The little things that Stoutland is incorporating in the running game, as a running game coordinator, and the way these guys got, got prepared is it, just really, really good.
3: Now, I mentioned this earlier, Chris, and our guest Jeff Mosher didn't have the answer. I don't have the answer. I'm hoping you have the answer. But if you don't have the answer, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it because I don't know that there's an answer.
7: No pressure.
3: The (laughs) Philadelphia Eagles have scored 82 points in their first four games in the second quarter. The most points that any team has ever scored in the second quarter of their first four games is 71 by the 1941 Chicago Bears. Great
5: team, the 41 Bears. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Name two players, McMullen, I dare you. Uh, I
5: yeah, didn't. I don't know. He Bronco Nagurski. I'm sure he was, actually.
3: He yeah. might, might have been. Um, what is, A, the reason for it, or B, so you got a you got a multiple choice here. Pick whichever one you think you can make the best story up on. Uh, the significance <laughs> of it or the reason for it. Cause it it really just does jump out as a stat. I don't know what it means. I don't know why it's happened. You got any thoughts on the the Eagles having 82 points in four second quarters so far this year?
7: I don't know what's in their game day smoothies that it seems to wait for one quarter and then all <laughs> they of a sudden kick in. The game another. day smoothies <laughs> do kick in
3: the second quarter.
7: I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. What, I can't put my finger on it. I mean, if anything, it's almost like they. It's almost like they. almost overcorrect when it comes to their game plan. It's like they're looking. They'll. I think that uh, you look at let's say like oh well we're going to try to put all these points here. Well, that's not working. All right, go to this 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 and this, and they like the answers right away. And next thing you know, they're scoring at will. It seems like. So I wish I had. I wish I, I'm joining Jeff. I'm joining you guys on that one. I wish I knew to pinpoint and say, hey, you know what changed again, and, and Nick knows what's just going to happen in this quarter, and then it just magically disappears. I don't know if they got some Madden power up where they get the second quarter. popping up and it pops up. Like, it's cheat cold.
5: code, second
7: yeah. quarter cheat code. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they paid all that money just to get the little things, and they're like, okay, we can close from here on out. <laughs> all right,
5: Chris, we have reached the knit picking portion of the program so i got a nitpick i gotta i gotta point out some things and one thing i want to point out is again uh the eagles get caught for this time it was offensive pass interference uh taking an aj brown now everyone says that's not a penalty that's not a penalty well for the eagles it is because A, it's a point of emphasis, and B, they have this reputation, so everybody's looking for it. And in that case, Dallas Goddard should have had his hands down, but he had his hands up, and they're looking for it. And he's a veteran player. He should be more savvy. I give Nick Sirianni credit because he hasn't complained about this. In fact, he said the opposite. He said he thinks the officials are doing a good job with it for the most part. Maybe he's trying to, you know, sweeten them up a I little you bit. A good
7: job too, to make sure I don't get a call as much as yeah,
5: <laughs> exactly. So maybe it's not working to date. Is this something that is just baked into the Eagles' offense because of all the RPOs, and we're going to have to deal with, or is this sort of a teachable thing that they can clean up?
7: I think it is but a little to a little extent but I think when you look at some of the other opportunities where they could have had pass interference where we saw it happen a lot of last year when they were running those mesh routes where they get the two wide receivers crossing across the field and look like somebody was really trying to do an NBA pick stand there with their arms out and let the other guy go around I've seen that cleaned up yesterday's I, I thought the, the to me the referee could have had a little bit more situational awareness if you see a guy being a little bit more aggressive I was okay I get that the way the fact that just Dallas, what like okay, two inches, and then got inside like that way. Didn't physically, in my opinion, didn't forcefully enough to physically. Pee. And look, the referee was even trying to think like, do I call it? So you saw him look, looking, like, do I? Yeah, okay, I'll just toss it that way too. I, I didn't. I, I don't think that one yesterday was really penalty, but they called it so that way too. But I think overall, I think we'll see a lot. Continue to see the illegal man downfield penalties, and I think we'll continue to see the pass interference ones a little bit because and also when you have a quarterback that likes to move around and and, and get, make plays, extend plays, that's going to happen as well, too. So I think that won't be the last time we see that penalty call, I
3: think. That old axiom of you could call holding every play in the National Football League on the offensive line. If that was pass interference, then guess what? You can call offensive pass interference on every play in yeah. every single game. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. I just thought it was a lousy call. If Johnny Mack wants to give the coach credit Maybe the old reverse psychology of, oh, the refs are doing a good job. Yeah, and get them. that's what they're he's not doing. not it going forward. All right, go that's roll with it. We'll go with you on this, but I don't have to do that, so I'll say it was a complete and utter bullshit call. All right, um, what scares you next week about the Arizona Cardinals? Kyla Murray or Zach Ertz?
7: I say C is where they're actually playing. Because the fact they've lost the last five trips, they've gone out there for some reason, even when the Eagles have had better teams, the fact they've had, whatever they've gone out when they've gone to the desert, they haven't had success at all. But for me, I think overall, if you had to choose between those two, I think Kyler Murray. Because I think this team's gotten a lot better when it comes to covering the tight ends. I think uh, Kaiser White, I think TJ Edwards. Do you, hold on, let me
3: what? interrupt. You mm-hmm. think it's their ability to cover the tight end? Or that they haven't played a really good tight end in the first four weeks.
7: I think it's their ability to cover tight end. I think Hawkinson's having a down year.
5: Hawkinson went yeah. nuts yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's a good player, TJ Hawkinson.
7: He's, he's limited, yeah. I really think he's still one of the definitely top ten. I still think maybe top because the tight end position is down this year. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, I think he's really good. So, I think they've done a good job when they – whatever tight end's in front of them, whether it's Hawkinson, Logan Thomas, what have you. They think they've done a good job when it comes to that. And because I think when they look at the personnel, Kaiser White, TJ Edwards, and Marcus Sepps, I, I like those three when it comes to tight end. So I think they can cover Ertz still. Ertz is going to get his targets because who else is going to really throw it to, in my opinion, because he's your best target on there. But it's Murray when he comes to his improvisational skills. It's his ability to, that when he's on, he can fit that ball into tight windows, especially try some shots downfield. And, and if the Eagles, if, if in case Maddox is not back, and you have Josiah Scott, you can you can be sure that the Cardinals are in Cliff Kingsburg are start trying to basically try to isolate him up and single him up as well, too. So I think Murray's the bigger threat to me. All
5: right, I'm gonna leave you with a tough one, Chris. At C Franklin News, make sure you read Chris and NJ.com. Here, you know, because uh he just got his his new contract, um, and Jalen Hurts is playing the way he's playing. And we all know what's coming after this season. Who's the better player, Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts?
7: I think right now it's Jalen Hurts because, well, part of it, Murray's not reaching his full potential because he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. But when I look at the overall factor, I think talent, I think they're, Murray has a little bit slight better arm talent than Hurts. But it's not that much. But I think Hertz has actually developed himself That I think Hertz makes better decisions now when to run when not to run. And But then when you look at the actual who's a better person for the team and to fit in the locker room, if you put Kyler Murray, I think, in that situation yesterday here in Philly, when they're down 14 nothing, I'm not sure that team's coming back at all. When you look at with Jalen Hurts, I think he's that good of a player that – overall if the way he's playing right now the way in our overall i think hurts is right right now it's not this very very close though very close.
5: by the way chris i agree with you and five years 230 and a half million 160 million guaranteed
7: why couldn't you work man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man to work. So that,
3: that's where you begin the jalen hurts <laughs> contract extension conversation and just go up from there. All right, so I'm gonna put you both to it right now. Uh Zach Ertz, four games, hundred and eighty one yards. That's forty five yards a game. You take an under or over forty five yards for Zach Ertz next week against Eagles. You got go to go under Franklin after you said the Eagles shut down other teams' tight ends.
7: I'll, I'll go over, but it'll be 55 or 56. That's about yeah. it mean when it comes Well, to- then how good
3: are
5: they at shutting
7: down tight I'm ends? Gonna, gonna I'm going
3: to let Zach Gertz get more than what he's
7: averaging. I'm going to go over
5: because you know how these teams, they try to get their old you know, players against their old. Click Kingsbury is going to draw something up on the cocktail napkin because. You know he doesn't. Oh, game but they're going to so. be
3: able to shut it down. Chris said they're playing great against opposing teams' tight ends.
5: Well, they're yeah. playing better. They're you better. Oh, Bunch <laughs> you know, it's like you know every every time because of the presence of Jalen Hurts. Like you, you know, I got asked about Jacksonville's run defense, and I I said fifty five. I mean they're going way over that. Jalen didn't even have a big game running, but. Typically with Jalen Hurts, it's like he might get 55 himself. He might run off a couple, um, and it didn't happen. They were able to get it in a more traditional way, but they're going to they're gonna work Zach Hurts in the game. I'm with you, Chris. He's going to be at 60, 70. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, Kaiser might still be doing a good job, but they're going to try to get him involved.
7: I agree screens, with Chris and everything else. You're saying yeah. like, okay, here we go. And maybe some garbage yards too when the Eagles, I think the Eagles win, but I think it might be some Ooh, garbage. Garbage time. Garbage
3: time. <laughs> Franklin's going garbage time. We haven't even gotten a Tuesday. I like it. <laughs> uh, Thank you much for jumping in. We'll get you up again next week.
7: Thanks. Guys, Thanks. Chris. Now? Thanks see you.
3: Chris Franklin, NJ.com here with us on Birds 365. Might All be
5: typical right, next week because Chris is coming back from Arizona. So. We might have to get them on Tuesday instead of Monday. But we'll Fair see. Fair enough. We'll Sometime see. Sometime
3: next week we'll punch them up. All right. We'll uh punch ourselves up coming up after our last timeout. You know what it is? Time to put a ball on the show.
1: you know the team you trust the Delaware Valley's leading news program Action News Go for the beers go for the cheers Go for the hit and the hits Go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to Ocean.
3: Johnny Mac, I'm going to put this on record today, so that when I bring it up Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, Eagle fans, oh, Jody, why are you bringing that up now? Oh no, I'm bringing it up right off the bat. What scares me about this upcoming Sunday against the Cardinals, and we're all happy that the Eagles are four and
5: zero. Ah, we're talking garbage time, Jody. Don't worry yeah,
3: about yeah, it. Franklin went the garbage time. Damn that 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 got my attention. All right, I fear that there won't be garbage time in Sunday's game against Arizona something that the Eagles have not faced yet this year, and that's a quarterback who can make plays with his legs. Jared Goff, statue. Kirk Cousins, statue. Carson Wentz, used to be a pretty good running quarterback, not nearly so much. Oh, they they, they made his life a living hell two, a week ago. And yesterday, Trevor Larns, the biggest unforced error of the game, had a chance to make a play with his legs. Oops, he dropped the freaking football. So Kyla Murray presents a challenge that the Eagles haven't faced this week. I'm not saying they can't. I'm not saying, oh, Kyla Murray's going to run all over them. I'm saying I don't know. They have not faced this type of a quarterback yet. You want to tell me, oh, they face him in practice. Well, they don't hit in practice. So we don't know if you actually have to bring the guy to the ground if they're capable of doing that. It scares me going into next Sunday. Have no,
5: that's fair. I mean, the Eagles uh, – the Eagles – that, that, you know, they're getting some of their own medicine, so to speak. I mean, this is some of the issues other teams have playing the Eagles. And now you have a really, really dynamic player. Now the difference between him and Jalen Hurts is Jalen takes care of the football. I knew he, I know he threw the pick six, but I mean, overall compared to other, he takes care of the football, which is kind of amazing. Kyler is going to take some chances. So there's gonna be a lot of big plays in this game. There's gonna be a lot of remember, dome, perfect environment, not not a monsoon. There's gonna be a lot of big plays. Jonathan Gannett's defense is gonna to have to show up, no doubt about it. And there's Kyler
3: it's some of their own medicine. Kyler, not afraid to handle it like a loaf of bread. He does remind me a lot of Michael Vick. Vick used to do that, too, running, palming the football with one hand, not far from a potential tackler. That could be a key aspect that they can get him to cough up the football next week in the game in Arizona. All right, Johnny Mack, we got a long way to go before the game in Arizona. I plan on being here the next four days. You might have some Eagles responsibilities over at the Novacare, but you'll be here tomorrow, right?
5: Yeah, Bob Groats, 820, right off the bat. We're gonna get some Groatsy cynicism. <laughs> yeah. Now he's gonna be happy. He had this team at eight. No, he's 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 all on board now.
3: That's what we like there. We like Bob Groats. We will be back tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel in two-and-two.
2: Two. You've been listening to Birds 365. <laughs>